Welcome back to Forwards Backwards Podcast. This way, week, we recap the life cycle of a butterfly, talk 1990s Total Request Live, and travel with Dan Fallon. As always, I'm joined by the Paul to my John, Dan Fallon. Dan, should we all contribute to a GoFundMe to hire someone to teach Grant Wall how to use CBS All Access? Yeah, I, um, I was I caught a little bit of that today that apparently he was having trouble finding the, uh, the Women's Champions League matches on CBS All Access. I, um, as someone who just procured a Roku television and CBS All Access, it's got to be the easiest thing I've ever done in my life to find matches on that app. So um, perhaps why Grant finds himself currently unemployed. And, and this is not the only time that he's complained about having a hard time finding matches. Um, so he's, you know, uh, when your job is to cover soccer matches, you think you would spend your downtime working through the technical aspects of the, the various, uh, platforms that you might have to watch said matches on. Well, and, and this speaks to, though, to a bigger issue, which is, you know, broadly speaking, um, American sp- soccer fans are getting spoiled. I mean, like we can watch so much soccer now. Yeah. I mean, being able to watch every Europa League match, every mm-hmm. Champions League match, every uh, Serie A match. I mean, long ago, Dan, do you remember checking, you know, newspapers for soccer scores being the only way? Or one of my favorite stories from Roger Bennett is how he made his dad run up a $100 transatlantic uh, telephone bill in 1986 because he made him hold up the phone to the 1986 FA Cup final for Everton because he wanted to listen and find out the results that badly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we saw it, I think, a little bit with the complaints about uh, Chattanooga, Chattanooga not having their lights up. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, Dan, fuck Chattanooga. But as I said to you, I've watched lower soccer, lower division soccer matches where both teams didn't, you know, physically <laughs> yeah people are getting a little getting a little greedy um our our good friend and uh sometimes co-host uh, kyle carr at kyle coche that's spanish for the car um i'm the he, one who explains the joke stamp yeah well i i thought I'd, I'd take take that on today um we gave him the day off so his wife can actually speak to him for one day but he pointed out that you know today we had women's champions league europa league final league uh usl league one misa and MLS all on television today. It is just a veritable smorgasbord of soccer. A cornucopia. Uh, a cornucopia from all over the world, all different types. Some produced very, very well. Some produced very terribly like <laughs> Wednesday night's match, which appeared to be uh, being played while the cameraman was inside of his own personal derecho um, with the camera swirling <laughs> at a very tight, tight angle. Too soon, uh, Dan. Yeah, sorry. That was not meant to be a joke at Iowa. I just, uh, I, um, but um, who actually we raised a bunch of money for uh, on on Wednesday evening with our friends from the Omaha Parliament. Um, but yeah, the, we'll get into it. But the the uh, production on Wednesday left a little bit to be desired. Although I, I you know, having followed some of the uh, some folks on Twitter um, who follow, you know, Chattanooga. Uh, FC. I know my Cujo is also not a highly reputable 
um, platform sometimes for watching matches. So maybe we're, we're a little bit spoiled with ESPN plus as well. So uh, before we get into that one, uh, one draw down in Papillion, Nebraska, uh, I did, I had, you know, my three key points and um, it got kicked out of, in our producers uh, group text, uh, Paisley, you, Kyle, all in the chat. Uh, one of my things that was really bothering me was I'm a little concerned at how much the frosting of the tips is happening now for forward Madison. Um, you know, uh, the Vang train, which we love, which we are all gladly passengers on, uh, had a little frosting of the tips situation. Uh, I also saw, uh, you know, Pato's dying his hair mm-hmm. a little bit. Brandon Eaton is getting a little blonde up there. It's tr- I'm worried our lineup is turning into like late nineties, early two thousands, total request live. Like is Carson Daly going to replace Neil Hlavati who on the Hlavati hashtag uh, watch uh, we've upgraded since he listened to all my tactical suggestions to uh, Hlavati. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. again, from Hlavati maybe out to Hlavati. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's going on with our hairstyles? Well, I do think Neil should go with the like three painted black fingernails that Carson Daly used to do. If you're, if you remember that from, from TRL days of yore. Uh, fun fact, my brother's friend was the producer of Total Request, Request Live. <laughs> also dated Kennedy one summer at the Hamptons house. Remember when they used to have the, the MTV beach house? Yeah, he, he dated Kennedy for a summer. Um, By the well, way, no episode greater summarizes the differences between Dan Fallon and I than right now I am drinking champagne from a coupe while Dan <laughs> is drinking LaCroix from a can. Uh, so. uh, while I wear my flock t-shirt that I've had on since about four o'clock yesterday afternoon. So I've been changed in about 24 hours. Um, well, I think Michael Vang's hair, I can only imagine, you know, he's like a northbound train. So we're getting closer to the, to, you know, the, the less sunlight. He needs to have, have a beacon as he's making his way across the great plains of America, spreading the gospel of soccer. Headlight, headlight um, on a north, on a northbound train. Exactly. So I think that one is, that's a tactical decision being made by, by Michael Vang, which given his age is an incredible achievement to be already thinking about the dying sunlight and what, you know, what's coming in the months ahead. Um, the other guys, I mean, they're old enough to know that they look ridiculous, but we'll, we'll let it go. Well, and one of the hard things is now Pato, Pato's hair makes it hard to differentiate him from Eric Leonard. Because their hair color is exactly the same. And I'm like, which, which is which? I can't tell. They're two, you know, blonde guys. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm okay if Pato goes, I think he had pink for one of the promo shoots. I'm okay with yep. pink because it makes it easier to identify him on the pitch. But the frosted yes. steps, you know, I feel like Justin and Brittany are going to start showing up at the games in full-on denim outfits. That's what we're well, looking at here. I mean, we should be a little bit more uh, uh, amenable to this given – Divacarigi's most recent uh, recent uh, mop, which was which was incredible. I actually loved when he came back from the quarantine with the uh, with the blonde. Uh, yeah, but you cool. got to remember, Divac like he's sui generis. He's all is forgiven. You know, he can do whatever <laughs> he wants. That's true. That's true. So, uh, so first uh, first item on the three key tactical points: uh, the Vang train continues to chug along, Dan. Yeah, uh, great assist on the goal. Um, uh, we've been, you know, we've been talking about set pieces, and Neil was 
has had mentioned that he felt like, you know, we were putting the ball into decent areas and it was just going to be a matter of time before we got one. Um, it's a well-flighted, well-weighted ball. Actually left a lot of, lot of uh, work for, for Eric to do. It was a great header. Um, um, obviously the announcer had a little trouble figuring out who scored and it was uh, on Twitter. There was some confusion over who scored, but um, Eric Leonard getting his first professional goal. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And, and great, you know, listen, that's what you want out of your playmaker. He made a play. He got an assist. Um, I, you know, he, he, he probably didn't have his best game otherwise. I think it was, um, it was a tough night offensively for us. I mean, this was a little bit of a regression to the mean after last, last week's game. Um, you know, I, before we jumped on, I was just talking a little bit about, you know, Michael, uh, he only completed 15 passes according to the, to the stats, uh, at a rate of about 73%. You probably want a little bit more production out of your, out of your, um, out of your eight, 10, whatever we're going to call them, eight slash 10. But uh, I, I will say in, you know, a couple of things. First of all, he left after the 57th minute. So he only yeah. had three, two thirds of the match, a little injury. Our and source at the team, tell us he's going to be okay. Uh, should be there for, for Sunday's match at Hart Park. Uh, confirming, getting, not derailed. Not uh, <laughs> driving that train. It's, it's still going. It's on the track. Um, but I, I do think you're, you're right. Um, and, uh, but you know, I think that, that was a factor. Um, and then the, you know, the other kind of bigger fact factors are smaller pitch and we took it off of our list, but you know, Omaha has this very vaunted high press game. You know, JMMs wants to play high press is what we hear from various podcasts that shall not be named out of Omaha. And, I don't think they press. I don't think they put pressure in the midfield. I just think that's a small pitch. Yeah. I mean, here's, I mean, my take on them was um, they were athletic. They worked really hard. Um, They matched up with us pretty well. I thought in a lot of areas, I thought the game in a lot of ways was kind of a battle of attrition. Um, There wasn't too, too much in the match. I mean, I think again, we only had maybe, the one shot on goal. Unfortunately, I don't really remember us testing the keeper. Yeah, Don had a great hit, but that went over in. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was a good shot. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, and you know, we did check in with Cowboy Neil. He 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 said the pitch wasn't quite as small as they thought um, it was going to be. It played fine. Um, he said it was a little dry in the first half. It was I. It looked like it was coming up the pit. I from on TV. There, looked, there were several slips. I saw. Yeah, but he he said actually that, that the conditions were were fine. Um, and as I said on Twitter, I mean, I still I hate baseball stadiums, but I love grass. So uh, you know, we'll call it a fifty fifty. Um, Do you want to thank I mean, uh, Daniel, uh, our Twitter follower Dan Kanak for uh, from Spokane, Washington, for pointing out edibles are legal in in the state of Washington. So. <laughs> We got to get our act together here in Wisconsin. Yeah, which is you know makes me feel like I should move back to Moscow, Idaho, where I lived for three years because I was eight miles from from the border in Pullman. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, they I think they had a game plan that they executed pretty well. They had the majority of possession for the game, um, and they never really let us get into a rhythm. So whether it was a high press, I mean, maybe I just think it was it looked very clogged in the midfield. 
Um, and it, you know, neither team really, I ever felt got into any sort of rhythm. Related to that. Um, one of the items I got left off of our agenda was, um, is, can we call just deliberately kicking forward Madison players a tactic or not? I mean, we, maybe I'm, maybe we're biased and I'll be the first to admit that, but it seems like a lot of kicking, Dan. Yeah, I mean, there was, I thought, a really bad foul on Don in the first four to five minutes of the match where the player came right through the back of him. It was called, but I thought clearly that was a card to me. It looked like that looked, as someone who's done that, <laughs> that looked like a, I'm sending you a message in the first four minutes of this match that anytime you come into the middle, someone's going to be here to do that to you. Um and so this is the, listen, I don't think the ref had a shocker. I don't think it was like, I'm sitting here being like the match was ruined due to her performance. I did take umbrage with somebody saying online that they thought she managed the match well. And I would say I, why I disagree is there are a series of those fouls. Some of them committed by us. I don't remember who, but in that first 10 to 15 minutes um, that I, you know, maybe two or three cards now, the flip side is you get yourself into a bad position because you're like giving out cards like candy and you don't want to do that either. Um, but then the, the, the card comes on Josiah in the 31st minute and it felt, Oh man, I felt, I I mean, he's going to play the ball. It looks like maybe he nicks the guy's toe. There's no, he's not trying to deliberately take him out. I, I, I just thought it was an incredibly soft yellow card after what we had seen, but I felt like the ref had put herself in that position because she let so much other stuff go and then she was finally like, okay, I got to put an end to this. And Josiah ends up yeah. being the one who's on the wrong end. So we're going to talk about his red card. That's our sort of three, third key point before we get there. Uh, I want to bring up the question to you. Is Keith Ponywaz a tactical genius? <laughs> um, well, you're staring at me right now with a bottle of champagne. Yeah. So I'll say yes, you are. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> that's, you're, uh, that's why I'm drinking champagne in celebration of my yeah. tactical genius. Generally, we don't, uh, we try not to buzz pod, but uh, very clearly I'm violating our own rules. <laughs> um, you are the Rafa Benitez of, of the corner of Glenway and Monroe. Um, yes. So yes, you, you finally got your wish of, of uh, Brandon Eaton uh, starting the match um, alongside his Yu-Gi-Oh! OG homie, Eric Leonard. I'm sure they were hugging and dancing around in the locker room before the match and playing a mean game of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, I will, we should, we should mention here, they did beat us. Uh, was it one to nothing or two to one at two to one? Two to I one. guess at the, on the, uh, on the flockathon um, uh, newlyweds game. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and actually, you know, I thought Brandon, uh, you know, he had a decent game again. I think all three of them kind of struggled. Uh, when I say all three, Brandon, uh, Michael Dang, Eric Leonard, I thought all three of them struggled a little bit offensively or kind of getting into the offensive side of the game. Brandon did have that nice, um, he broke out one time in the first half where he tried to get into the box and the last move, the guy took him out. But um, again, reflecting what Neil said about him and, and Kyle, that he likes to try things, he likes to take players on. Um, so, but it was good to see him get, um, I think he got, about 70, 71 minutes. He came out. But, minutes. Yeah, but there was a moment in the first half, and I think it was about the 20th minute mark. I didn't put it in my notes, 
where we actually played out of the back and it went back to Marchetta and he got pressed and he played it square and we built all the way out. And one of the links was to, to Brandon and Brandon receives it and immediately switches the field with it. And it was one yeah. of those where I was like, oh, that's why you have Brandon Eaton because he, he is a great connector in the midfield. Yeah. On the flip side, you know, against, and I hear I'm going to make the case against myself, which as you know, Dan is very rare. This, it seemed like the midfield was just congested and not where the match happened. Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of the, a lot of the play came down the wings or anything kind of dangerous was really coming down the wings. Um, and, and that's again, reflected in the, in the player stats. I mean, you know, Pato, um, was really high up on our the passes list. Uh, Paulo Jr., Don. Um, we're just going to take a quick look at Giro. Yeah, Giro was not too many. But it, it was clear that there was a lot of action on the wings for both teams. And, and Pato had a couple of moments where, uh, particularly late in the match, in the 93rd minute, he had a great pass in. Um, and it seemed like we, we started seeing a little more of the Pato lap from last year where he yeah. – the one getting forward more um, yeah. and advancing. And so that's, that's a welcome trend. And it, I think a little bit is maybe a little bit more confidence in midfield to be able to hold possession to yeah. allow him to get forward too. Yep. And um, I felt like him and Giro again, I know I mentioned this about Giro last week, but I'll, this week even more so for Pato, lot, a lot, a lot of one-on-one duels. Um, it says here Pato won seven, lost three, but it seemed like he was, he had a really good game when he was being forced to play one-on-one really digging in. And, you know, I think sometimes we forget that he really is a two-way defender. Uh, He really, and and actually, and Jiro is turning into that too. I mean, Jiro is a great one-on-one defender. Um, Sometimes I think uses his speed and and his pace to get himself out of trouble, maybe cover up some of his, you know, potentially some of his, um, lack of positional awareness, but Pato is really a, is really a polished right back. I mean, even in the, you know, we gave him a little bit of stick earlier in the season, but it really was just about, he wasn't getting forward. Yeah, uh, and, he made, and, he, and he had the mistake against North Texas. I mean, I think we can all agree. He yeah. Dove in on that tackle uh, when he didn't really need to, but otherwise, I mean, he's been a rock again this season, uh, probably again, our most consistent player weekend count. And I think, look, everything we have heard is the reason that he didn't make the leap to MLS in a lot of ways had nothing to do with his talent or his ability level, but to do with, you know, uh, work permit, work visa, green card, whatever you want to call it, issues and foreign player exemptions and so on and so forth in MLS. And I think he, I mean, he is the sort of player that unfortunately American soccer overlooks way too often in that he's not you know, we, I make the joke about the great American center back factory. I mean, he's a, a smaller dude, but you're great individual defender, fast, smart, skilled for a right back. He is, you, you, you don't say, I wouldn't even say skilled for a right back. He's a skilled player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so one of those guys that, you know, you just hope he gets the opportunity that I think he deserves, you know, yeah. in some way you're, you we're happy he came back to the team in some way, a little disappointed because guy clearly, I think deserves a chance at the next level. Yep. Agreed. Um, the third item relates to defending and it relates to Trimmingham red card. And we can talk a little bit, you know, the defending was not rock solid. We gave up a PK 
Um, was it controversial? Was it not? I would say it was not. Yeah. I, listen, you can, I guess someone out there can make the argument that Turnbull got the ball, but when, when you leave your feet and it's the bottom of your, your, your left or whatever foot, but the very, very bottom heel portion of your shoe and then the rest of your foot is crashing into the player's shin. It was a penalty. I, 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 I'm a homer. I'm biased. And I, I understood why he argued. I would have done the same thing. I got the ball. It's fine. But as soon as he kind of made that little back heel to clear the ball, he had lost complete control of the situation and, and, you know, did what he thought was the right decision. That's, that's a penalty. And then, Let's give credit to um, to uh, Contreras for the with the Penenka. That was that's that's a pretty, that's a pretty ballsy, well, ballsy yeah. penalty at this level of uh, professional at any level of professional soccer. But uh, when you're yeah. down one nil in a game like that, um, that takes that takes a pretty big set of cojones. Wave, yeah, huevos, says the kids. <laughs> uh, what now? Let's look at the 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 reason we brought up the trimming and red card, and I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, but it's also because of where it leaves us going forward, um, and we'll talk about that. But with the Trimingham red card, I thought both of those were pretty soft yellow cards. Yeah, I mean, I already talked about the first one, what I thought. Um, and the second one, you know, when I, when I saw it originally, I was like, okay. You know, and, and we also have to remember Josiah's – his just his strength and size. We've seen other games where he puts a hand on somebody and they just like go flying. Um, when you watch it back, the player is already going down before there's contact. I didn't say, I'm not saying it was, well, yeah, I guess I'm saying it is died. Um, but it's clever. Well, it looked like it's maybe clever. their legs got tangled up. Yeah, maybe. And, but I think what the yellow was for was for grabbing the shirt. Uh, right. I think when he grabs his shirt, he's, he's, and what I would say is I thought it was soft because I think the player was looking for it and good for him. He knows, he knows, he knows Josiah is already on a yellow. He knows he's kind of running into a dead end. You know, why not try and see what you can get out of it? Josiah has got to be smarter there, not to put his hands on the guy. There's not a whole lot of danger in that situation. Um, but, but yeah, it's, now, now Dan, you have yeah. played competitive and we're not supposed to talk about our playing careers on the podcast, but every time there's a corner kick, every time something is happening, defenders are grabbing the jersey. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I didn't think it was like a drag back either. So no, that's, I, it almost looked, I mean, and now I'm sounding kind of homerish, but it looked like he was trying to help him from falling over. (laughs) Okay. I won't, I won't go that far. No, no, no. But you know, it was such a weird look on it. Um, but look, you know, people are like, Oh, shirt grabbing. Everybody grabs shirts. Like every time, you know, I I was, if you told turbo that he wasn't grabbing a shirt, he'd probably be more insulted on a corner kick than if you told him he was, you know, that's just top level defending. Well, and I, 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 at least from my perspective, I would, I would, the whole corner kick thing, it's kind of its own thing. It's grown into this, this just mayhem in the box. What I will say is I think it was a soft yellow, but once you grab a guy's shirt, you know, in the open field, you're asking the referee to make a decision. Um, And he, this time he was on the wrong side of it. 
And um, so, I, and to me, the more, the more frustrating part is that I just think the first one is, is never a yellow. Um, and so it just, you know, I feel a little, uh, I feel badly for Josiah. You know, he, I feel like he kind of got, um, he got a, he got a, a red card on two soft yellows kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. You'd rather get, you know, you'd rather get it for you'd oh, rather yeah. get, your money, get your money's worth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, kind of got ripped off. It, it, he didn't get the value it's, meal on his. I guess the only, only good news is it's only a one game suspension and, but that brings up we're now we're a little softer in the center of defense. You know, maybe yeah. they rush Chrysler back. Um, you know, we we've talked about Fernandez has played, you know, in the in the def- defensive center mid, but he could slide back. Um, but we also well, he he did defense. and he did yeah. the other night after yeah. um, once Josiah went off because he had I think it, he had come in on in, in the fifty seventh minute for uh, with. Jamal Cox uh, came in for Michael Vang, and at that same point, he came in for yeah. Uh, and so then he shifted uh, into no, no, back. Sorry, uh, in the seventieth minute, he and Fuson came on. Yeah, Woj and Eaton. And yeah, and so he switched into the back, and I think he he played center back against um, North Texas too. Did he come on at center back? So I think he yeah. he's had a couple matches where he's he's played there. So yeah, I mean, I think the options. I mean, we could we could pretend that it's going to be Eric Leonard because Neil and Daryl keep lying to us and tell us that he's going to play center back. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be Eric. I think it'll be it'll be Jalen if he's if he's fit. Um, which um, you know, we, it sounds like everyone is more or less uh, fit now. Um, JC, we I think the news came out right that he was resting his shoulder, which he had injured what was that 10 minutes into the North Texas game. So he's basically been playing all season with that. And you could see the kind of heavy strapping he had on uh, in the week since then. So I think they were just giving him a rest with the long trip and sure sitting on a bus uh, for eight yeah, well, hours. And I was kind of thinking, you know, Michael Vang uh, was injured from the sound of things. He's going to be okay. But it yeah. sounds like when your favorite premier league team guy gets injured and he's coming back from, wherever and they're they're flying in the private jet and they put him in the barometric chamber you know and like the physio apparently you know it was a 12-hour greyhound bus ride overnight back on wednesday night so um you know i don't think they put an ice bath into the what about do they do the the horse placenta treatment uh possible i think uh you know uh, they shot him up outside of you know a, a uh, uh, stop and go in Iowa. I, uh, what was it? What was the thing Samir Nazri got in trouble for? I think, uh, was it horse placenta? No, no. He did like the, uh, some sort of like oxygenating his blood. And he like, oh, yeah. posted on, yeah. he posted online, like how much, like whatever he pumped into his blood. And it was like triple the amount that was allowed by FIFA. Um, blood yeah. 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 He's blood doping. Yeah. yeah. Basically, I, was thinking, he was a, I don't think you can blood dope at a come and go in the middle of Iowa. Uh, by the way, that's one of my favorite things on Twitter. When people from other parts of the country learn of come and go for the first time, I think I've seen that tweet about four different times where <laughs> people are like, is this a real store? Uh, and then I just want to tell them about uh, cruising chubbies and bean snappers. Well, <laughs> The one I saw the other night, uh, a couple got married in a munchin pump. I'm not sure where <laughs> munchin pump is, but that one wins. Uh, so let's, not a lot of highlights. 
you know, they all happened early on. The goal we've talked about, eighth minute. Yeah. Thank God Neil and Daryl listened to us talking about set pieces. Mm -hmm. Uh, The penalty we've addressed in the 28th minute. Just one more point on the goal. Just one more point on the goal. And this is um, this uh, this is a serious point. Eric is actually incredible in the air. He's yeah. a very good header of the ball. Um, Shorter think, than both of us, but incredible yeah. in the air. Yeah, and I know we're not supposed to talk about this in our in our past, but that was something I worked on a lot, being a much shorter player. Um, and it is something that I think taller players take for granted. Like they can just get up and win a header, but there's actually an art form to it and being able to read the flight of the ball, when to jump, when to hold guys off, how to get leverage on a player. Um, and it's, it was a great goal. And I really, I give him a ton of credit because he's, he's probably our, like, I think our most proficient header of the ball in the team. Yeah. And, and you know, sort of like Dennis Rodman, not being the tallest guy, but being a great re- rebounder. It's mm-hmm. the same issue figuring out angles. Yeah. Penalty kick, fine. We talked about really the highlight of the match, though, came in the 31st minute when a voice was picked up by what you called the MVP, I think, on Twitter, the yeah, boom man mic, the, the man <laughs> of the match, the boom mic operator, when someone was asking the AR, what's so funny? And a few times. <laughs> more than once. And there was some discussion, Dan, people didn't know who it was. I could, so on my, I don't know if it was just my speakers or I didn't have it up very high. I could hear it, but I, I, I was asking people who it was. And apparently it was clearly Daryl, um, uh, which I then referenced in my, my tweet after the match with his deranged mask on screaming at the AR, which I don't think I quoted properly, but you, I think everyone got the gist of it. Well, you did an excellent job of lip reading, given the mask <laughs> over his face. Um, and, and our co-contributor Kyle Carr said, really, we need to mic Daryl up every match going forward. Well, this has been, this has been a conversation around all of these matches in the stadiums that with no fans in them, like what a great opportunity for us to hear all the crazy shit. I mean, I was watching the Europa, watching the Europa league final today and, you know, imagine getting to hear what Conte is saying. That guy's a lunatic. Um, oh man. I would like <laughs> subtitles from, you know, translations from the Italian, obviously, but. Yes. Yeah. Um, but to, I mean, what's interesting about this is when you're screaming at the AR, what's so funny, that means he was laughing about something. And uh, so why was the AR laughing uh, and obviously pissing off Daryl? So um, I think everyone was getting a pretty big kick out of, <laughs> out of that whole sequence in the match. Well, and Daryl has uh, that accent that I think uh, you're probably familiar with and it's distinctive and it makes him sound a little more ill-tempered, <laughs> you know, your, your sweet Midwestern accent, you know, it's like, it's like resting bitch face. We can't help it. It's just how we were raised in the New York area. Like you just talk in a way that people find aggressive. Um, so when you are being aggressive, it sounds like you're a complete nutter. Um, <laughs> but what was, but what was, but of course, what was, what I thought was hilarious was that, uh, I can't remember if it was halftime or full-time. Their players were, like, surrounding the ref. And, and I was like, what are you complaining about? Oh, you got man. a kick. You got a player set off. Like, I, you know, and again, I, I, I have called out, I've criticized the ref. I didn't, you know, I, I call this, you know, a, a, a B-minus, C-plus performance. 
because um, some of these things were on the margins, right? These are these are definitely judgment calls. I just felt like, but on that front, uh, a podcast we shall not name that uh, follows this this uh, team that from from that region of the country were upset about Nafor's forty seven minute yellow card where he pushed Tobin over in the back. Yeah. And they complained about that for, I would say, half of the duration of their 12-minute podcast. And again, like, is that a yellow card? Maybe, maybe not. But, like, he, he just clearly bundled <laughs> uh, Turbo over. And if Josiah's was a yellow card, that was a stone-cold yellow card. Um, so, again, in, the, in, the, in looking back on the match, would I have said in the heat of the moment, that's a yellow card? No. But, like... She gave it, and that's fine. Yeah. What's interesting is the match was, like, relatively testy, um, and those were the only two yellow cards in the match. I mean, it just felt like there were other tackles yeah. in the game and other situations that were more warranted. So now we're talking about the rep too much. Yeah, no, um, I want to raise a couple of issues. Uh, o- Union Omaha had two failed bikes, and they were kind of ugly. Um, <laughs> one in the 53rd minute and one in the 63rd minute. And if you were to ask me, uh, what Iba, Ibasevich was the one that, uh, you know, had the failed bike. Um, there was a push on Marchetta in there as well that, I mean, was so blatant should have, but if you were to ask me like failed bikes is how I would describe Union Omaha, uh, just kind of generally as a metaphor and we're not going to criticize them, but let's just say, you know, maybe things are outstripping their actual uh, abilities. How does that sound? Fine. Yeah. Uh, other, other. Uh, in the 80th minute, really the golden chance, I think, was Souza, you know, with the, the half volley that he pushed wide. Um, struck it well, just completely blew it uh, wide. It looked like a really easy chance at first glance. If you looked again, I thought uh, both Trimmingham, who was still in the match, and Tobin were closing that very quickly. So it didn't, from the live, it looked like a clear-cut chance. I don't think it was that clear, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and I think I posted after the match, or maybe at halftime, you know, there weren't too many dangerous opportunities. I will say when the ball got into our box, um, it, it it got a little hectic at times, I would say. Um, and I know that I'm not trying to, uh, it, it would sound su- silly to say, well, when they got in our box, they looked dangerous. And I'm not saying that they looked dangerous. I'm just saying it looked like we were just like chaotic, uh, like um, the penalty being an example. And a couple other times where we were like having to, you know, poke the ball away at the last second and guys were kind of running into each other. And, and again, I think that kind of spoke to this, like the whole kind of center of the pitch was just very clogged. Yeah. Um, throughout the match like a lot of bodies everywhere yeah yeah you know neil neil told us the pitch wasn't that it felt small um yeah. uh, my favorite minute kind of in the in the conclusion was in the 85th minute i don't know if you saw this when eli lockaby was coming on the ref was like holding his jersey to keep him from coming on the pitch and he gives a why are you touching me but <laughs> to the ref that i thought was a great second half highlight uh, 87 minute. Uh, Nowadays, he should have just yelled, COVID! <laughs> <laughs> Stop touching me! Social distancing! Um, I, I thought Fuzon, it was his debut, uh, mm-hmm. came on in the, you know, had a, oh, yeah. came on in the 70th minute, uh, had, a, had a good strike. 
uh, wasn't on goal, but um, I thought he was impressive in his debut. And you were happy because one of the things you're really worried about is Vosges playing too much. Yeah, um, and he put in a good shift again today. It's really funny, you know, the more I watch him, and I think we, I, I know we've said this, like he's a classic number nine, but you just don't see players like him anymore. Um, it's very, you know, it, he's dry. And if you look at his heat map, he would, most of the time he was actually on the, on the wings. He was receiving the ball. And again, I think this was, he was trying to find some space because things were just so crowded in the middle. Um, but he, re- he received so many passes like out on the touchline and like, you know, it just reminds me of growing up those big, tall number nines who would win the ball. Small. And, yeah. And, you know, elbows up, lay it off, get back in behind, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm doing the TV's thing here where, you know, the, the if you're watching checks, on the simulcast, yeah, <laughs> the big guy checks two little guys in behind and then they rotate like a wheel. Um, and it's just, it's kind of funny, not funny. I don't know. I'm just kind of taking a lot of joy in watching a very throwback type of, uh, of number nine, but yeah, Nate, uh, Nathan, I thought great debut. He looks lively. We haven't even talked about, you know, gosh, we've talked about the ref enough, but you know, I thought that could have been a penalty. Yeah. I understand why. I understand why it wasn't giving. It looks like the ball's maybe going out of bounds. But I mean, anywhere else on the pitch, that's a that's a foul. Where someone straight arm pushes you over, like to me, that's just as much of a foul as what Josiah did. Um, but again, once you get and it's like the corner kick grabbing situation. There seem to be these different sets of rules once you get in the box. I understand why that wasn't given. Cause you would be like, well, the, the danger's gone. The ball's going out of bounds, but the, 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 the fact remains that's a foul. Yeah. Um, and so by the letter of law, that should be penalty kick. And, uh, and you know, that kind of follows the yellow cardable foul generally on the pitch. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, going in, you know, it sounds like most of the guys are coming back this Sunday. Uh, Dan, you wanted to give us a preview of uh, the Orlando city B match. We have a, a, a couple of, Home dates, uh, North Texas after that. Uh, short week, that's why we're doing two pods, despite the union regulations that you have, Dan. Uh, so what's the preview? What's going on? Well, I think um, this this week's travel log um, uh, is dedicated to uh, Peter Will and Andrew Schmidt, who um, both had the, the nerve to call me out on uh, poking fun at our friends from uh, Union Papillion, uh, for the fact that they don't play their home matches in the city of their name. Uh, and Andrew and Peter both pointed out that for Madison does not currently play our home matches <laughs> in the city, which contains our name. So um, for this week, uh, I'd like to tell you all about a little town called Wauwatosa. So uh, Wauwatosa, originally Wauwatosa or Hart's Mill, is a city in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. It is named after the Potawatomi chief, Wawatesi, and the Potawatomi word for firefly, following in the long line of white people in America co-opting whatever they damn well please without regard for the cultures, lives, or experiences of others. The lush Menominee Valley of the Wawatosa area provided a key overland gateway between the rich glacial farmland of southeastern Wisconsin and the port of Milwaukee. In 1835, Charles Hart, the namesake of Hart Park, I assume, but did not fact check, became the first Euro-American to settle here, followed that year by 17 other families. The following year, a United States road was built from Milwaukee through Wauwatosa, eventually reaching Madison, 
which is con- which is a co- consequential detail vis-a-vis the Mingos migrating to Hart Park on a regular basis in 2020. If you're going to the match on Sunday and count yourself as a level one trauma center fanatic, a trip to Tosa must include a visit to Freighter Hospital, one of only two level one trauma centers in the state of Wisconsin. While there, visit the Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church, designed by a known curmudgeon and Richland Center native, Frank Lloyd Wright, who would no doubt have thoughts about the preponderance and design of the lines on the pitch at Hart Park. From the ages of three to 10, Tosa was home to Bill Berry, former drummer of R.E.M. After suffering a brain aneurysm on stage in 1995, Bill more or less retired from the world's biggest band in 1997, became a farmer working on his hay farm in Farmington, Georgia, outside of Athens. Fun fact, Barry rarely cooks. Quote, I can, but I'd rather not. End quote. He instead orders food from Hirasoles, located at 24 Greensboro Highway in nearby Watkinsville, Georgia. (laughs) Dan, do you have more facts for us at this point? Yes, yes. Barry goes on. I eat there maybe five times a week. Well, more if I count leftovers. Chef owner Jose Zambrano keeps me alive. The cuisine at Hirasoles is described as a creative mix of flavors, a combination of Mexican and Mediterranean, the joining of which comes quite naturally, Chef Zambrano says. It's like a marriage between two different cultures. These traditions marry well because they are both strongly flavored, but ultimately are very light. They complement each other, end quote just like Forward Madison and Wauwatosa in 2020. Dan, first of all, I want to thank you for referencing Leftovers because a lot of podcasts want to come out right away after. They want to give you the hot takes. I really think we're here for the Leftovers. We are the <laughs> Leftover takes in the podcasting world of USL League One. Uh, Dan, before I say goodnight to our listeners uh, and go and have some more champagne, um, do you have any last words? Just that, you know, this is a big, big match um, on Sunday. This is a, this, I think now we are in must win territory. We got to win our home matches. Orlando's had a, um, just got their doors kicked in by Tucson, lost to Termina earlier in the season um, and have beaten Inter Miami and, um, or Fort Lauderdale, whatever the hell they're called and New England too in between, you know, those games against the MLS two teams can always be a little, hard to decipher on who's playing and those kinds of things. But um, this is, this is big after the draw. We got to get a win here and we got to probably get a win against forward or against uh, North Texas. Cause then we go on the road for three straight matches. Road road trip. Yeah. That's good. So this is a big, this is, this is a big match. Huge match. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, So until Monday uh, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Twirling, 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 twirling